All right. How's it going, everybody? It's Gilmore and Leighton Sheldon here with you. This is totally the first run of this, and uh, we are uh, ready to go. <laughs> How's it going, Leighton? Great. Well, I'm going to take it from here, Chris, and I just want to make sure everyone knows it's called the Lunch Crew for a reason. It's Leighton and Chris, not Chris and Leighton. And that's how we came up ultimately with the name. Had nothing to do that, of course, we're both very fond of lunch. Uh, see, this is why I want to be able to see you, Chris. I need to see those facial expressions. Um, but joking aside, really appreciate everyone tuning in to The Lunch Crew with Chris and Layton. Uh, this is the first episode uh, we're entitling, or excuse me, titling the series, The Business of Collecting. Uh, we do have several things we're going to try to cover today. And of course, we'd love to have feedback from our community. And it'll help us shape the show. So we're looking to have some fun with you, gang, uh, collectors, friends, and of course, um, investors, uh, kids. We'll try to keep this, you know, PG uh, so that folks can tune in. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, Chris. How about yourself? PG. All right. Let me adjust my script here. So Notice I didn't say G. My son's eight. He can handle PG. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um. So some of you may may have seen, and I've, I've I've sent it to a few people just to get some feedback. Uh, VBLunchCrew.com. That is where the podcast is going to live for all intents and purposes. It's going to have the RSS feed there. It's going to have the video feed. It's going to have the audio feed. Also, it's going to have a have a link to iTunes and Spotify in case you'd rather use those services. Those services are great. I use Apple Podcasts every day. So. Um, that's kind of where all the information from this site is going to live. Also, if you go into the site, you will notice a button that says this week's cards that will come into play here in a minute. That will lead you to the vintage breaks uh, website to a special category where, uh, well, you'll see, you'll see when we get there, you might notice some, some like a rotating slideshow over here. We'll get to that. Uh, so yeah, um, that's the introduction of the show. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you setting all of that up, Chris. Uh, I'm excited to be able to share whatever this is going to be, not just, of course, for episode one, but what it transforms into, mm -hmm. uh, what, you know, we ultimately uh, land at. Uh, who knows? But we know that um, we're here to have some fun. We want to bring some value uh, to the folks that are part of our Vintage Breaks community, part of the Just Collect community. More importantly, if you're a beginning collector, if you're an avid collector, if you think you're smarter than both of us combined collector, if you are an investor um, or if you're someone who's totally new and you're like, you know what? I have a little bit of disposable income. I've heard about the sports card craze. I'd like to learn a thing or two. We're going to try to kind of roll all of that into what we're calling the business of collecting the lunch crew with Leighton and Chris. Remember, if you see us anywhere at a show, you know, a wedding, a bar mitzvah at the mall, just make sure you say with Leighton and Chris, because I know Chris loves that. At the club, you know, and doing your little night at the Roxbury thing. Head nod. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the club, there's some uh, trade night tonight, New York City Comic Con style, courtesy of Wax Stars and eBay. That's being put on by my friend David Marino and his gang. And so I'm actually going with Kristen later. We're going to be setting up a display case full of some vintage. And I'm hoping to meet someone who maybe collects comics and is like, oh, my God, by the way, I have these Ruth cards. I don't know what to do with. <laughs> I can help you. You know, I got all these Ruth cards. I just, you know, they're taking up space, you know. <laughs> and, like, they're not comic books. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know who Baby Ruth is. Good candy bar, but, you know. Very good. Still, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy myself a good Baby Ruth. Uh, anyway, thanks to Preston and Jason. Uh, I believe Joe said he's going to be tuning in, so I appreciate 
uh, the support uh, here on episode one of The Lunch Crew. But Chris, I say we get right into it. And I know the first thing we wanted to start to do was talk a little bit about playoff baseball. Um, just FYI, I am a lifelong Yankee fan. Chris is a lifelong Braves fan. So Kurt, certainly he's much more vested into you know this playoffs uh, than I am. But without further ado, Chris, have you been watching the playoffs? I'm glued to it. like, And not just Braves games. I do watch every moment, every pitch of every Braves game. But the Dodgers-Diamondback series was very interesting because the Diamondbacks play this old National League style, small ball, aggressive base running, uh, pristine defense, and excellent pitching. And it's fun to watch. Um, they knocked off the Dodgers, which everybody didn't see coming. I personally did a little bit. Dodgers been a little weak in the arms. And then when um, one of their starters got in trouble, I kind of said, eh, Diamondbacks going to take them out. I actually don't want to play the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I would rather play the Dodgers. And... Um, that series is really interesting. Uh, the Jordan Alvarez and uh, powering over everybody with the Astros has been really interesting. That guy's a monster. Kind of feels is. like you're watching a rewind, rewind of Ryan Howard. So, do you think anything's going to stop the Astros from winning the series? The, the World Series? Well, hopefully yeah. the Braves do. Uh, I actually, uh, I know what you're hoping, but I know I, a lot of people think that the Astros, including Mattress Mac, yeah. think the Astros are going to win. Yeah, yeah, I like the winner of the Phillies Braves series. I like the winner of the Phillies Braves series to go all the way. Uh, whoever that's going to be, the Braves have some pitching questions uh, that they've got to answer. But that Phillies, the Phillies offense, you may look at it, you may look at the road production. Well, the Braves are the best offense in the majors. Yeah, but this Phillies offense is set up for the playoffs. Their pitching staff is set up specifically for the playoffs. Damn the regular season, they're set up for the playoffs. It's kind of like them, like the last Arizona Diamondbacks team with Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. You know. We were talking a little playoff baseball yesterday with Lou and, you know, he was saying that, and myself, I feel the same that, you know, when they first started rolling out all these changes, you know, we were all apprehensive, but even though it is of course um, difficult, if you're on the losing end of a one game playoff, you know, to kind of start everything off. I just think that what they've been doing with baseball is they realized, yes, it's a sport, but it's entertainment and it's highly entertaining. And my oh, point yeah. is that the playoffs, I have no, you know, vested interest other than I hope that there's lots of young stars that do well because um, I think it's just good for business, uh, the business of collecting that is. And, um, you know, that aside, uh, I've turned on, even if it's just like a half inning or an inning of a game. And it, it really is. It's, I said this yesterday. It's like playoff hockey. You can just tell the difference every time you turn on a playoff baseball game so much more easily than when you're watching, you know, a regular game. It's, I don't know. I just wish, and, and I know it's not going to happen because of all the financial implications. I wish the season was shorter. There's no reason to have all these games. <laughs> yeah. It's like, can you get these out of the way so the playoffs can start? Let's get yeah. to the good stuff. But I, I understand, you know, there's a lot of money on the line. Um, so anyway, uh, moving past um, the exciting times of playoff baseball, one of the things I feel that we should have mentioned in our opening intro uh, on today's first episode of the lunch crew is we're trying to switch things up as far as not just of course the information we're going to bring to you but specifically the value and i don't just mean the information but i also mean for example we talked about it doesn't mean it's going to be in episode 10 or 20 but for today for the next several chris and i have decided that we're going to bring three cards each episode to you the audience who's watching us live. And of course, if they make it past the live, they're still available for sale. You want to reach out, you can DM us. You can go to the vblunchcrew.com. I'm sure you can email us. You can email me directly at justcollect.com. 
You can find me on social. The point is, if you want to find us, you can. But what we're doing is it's kind of neat, Chris. It's a great idea of yours. We're going to put these three cards we're going to discuss each week up for sale. And it's going to be easy peasy for you to buy it if you'd like. You can buy it at vintagebreaks.com just the way that you would buy any spot on our site to participate in a set break, a pack break, a box break, etc. There's one caveat to our devoted Vintage Breaks community. We know that you have break credit out there. And of course, please use it. But on these cards that we're bringing to you, courtesy of the lunch crew, we cannot allow the break credit to be utilized on the cards. So without further ado, when we show these three cards for sale each week, I hope, I can't tell you what my counterpart here is going to do, <laughs> but I'm hoping it's more than just bringing three cards to you for sale and, you know, getting a few shekels together to maybe, um, you know, buy something else for collections. We're hoping that there's going to be reasoning, rationale, and some thought. Right, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, that's where, where the three cards I picked out absolutely are. Great. So why don't you start us off? Because I know at least one of them is going to probably be tied to some playoff baseball. And since we were just talking about it. Um, now, Chris, we didn't set this rule. Can I buy one of your cards? Can you buy one of mine or no? We should probably give the audience first shot is my guess. Uh, you give them first shot. But you're like, you know, hey, if you, if you pass on that, you know, Chris, let's, uh, let's, right. let's talk. Let's talk. All right. Let's go to the videotape. As Warner Wolf would say, what's the first card? All right, so the first card is this beautiful 2018 Topps Chrome Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, it's like, Gilmore, you're a Braves fan. How dare you let go of, uh, you know, your rookie card or your star player in a PSA 10? Well, you know, it hurts, but that's what you do when, 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 when things are inventory sometimes. You know, you have a few you keep, but you definitely move some. I've got this one up for 105. It's the Topps Chrome, not the update, so it came first. So uh, you, you'll notice that there's not much of the, not much of a market disparity between this one and the update. However, as time moves on, that's probably going to change, and we've seen that change over the over the over the years. The first card always um, kind of stands out, and it's a PSA ten. So Chris, why 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 is why is this card then not? Because I mean, I would say to you, I would rather have this card than the update. Yes, that's what I was saying. I would definitely rather have this card than the update because it was first. This is but why first. do you think that the current market is why do you think the prices are so similar? It takes some time for 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 the, for that to hash out. First off, the player has to get to a level where people are connect are collecting them that want a rookie card of the Hall of Famer. It takes some time to do that. And right now, you know, if Ronald Cunha get hurt tomorrow and, you know, nothing. It's not like a situation like Mike Trout when he gets to that level where 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 he's seen as more of a lock that's when the cards start taking off, and that's where the gap comes between the first and second card. Interesting. That's a good take on it. Um, I wanted to welcome Jeff and Jim. Alfred, I really appreciate you tuning in to the first episode ever of The Lunch Crew. And for those of you that are late, remember, with Leighton and Chris. Uh, so, you know, Chris, um, it's something, and I hadn't considered this, and I'm hoping, listen, we don't know if we're going to be able to do this every single time with every single card but we're going to try folks we really are we're going to try to not of course only make the show fun meaning transactional but also have some reasons and rationale as to why we're bringing the cards to you for sale today all right so chris that's the first card you said it was 105 dollars mm -hmm. there's a link to it is right that there. is that delivered that's delivered yeah, yeah that's, that's all in it's all in all right so just to be clear folks who are both listening live and who may listen to this afterwards these are first come, first serve, and there's only one of them. Yeah. So in all cases, there's only one of them. 
If there is more than one, we'll certainly specify. Um, keep in mind that there is no sponsors of the lunch crew yet. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to use this money to try to keep us afloat. No, but the joking aside, um, we're trying to offer, we're trying to offer these cards uh, to both have some good talking points, but also to make the show fun. I mean, listen, I'd like to think I didn't double check Chris's price. I like to think that you can't buy this card for a hundred on eBay, right? I'd like to think that it might cost you a little bit more. So we're trying to maybe save you a few, a few bucks. We're going to save a few bucks in fees. And of course, maybe put a nice card in your collection, or maybe you're going to make an investment in something uh, because you think Acuna might make the hall of fame and you could see the card being 250 or 500 one day. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, I wanted to ask you, Chris, um, when you buy a card like this, or if you tell a buddy to buy a card like this, I've started doing this with modern vintage a little bit different because I play the game a little bit, you know, longer. I've started to target if I buy a modern card, almost like a stock. Hey, if it hits this price, I'm selling. Yeah. I don't think about anything else. I don't worry about what could have, what should have, what might happen, what is going to happen, what, you know, who knows. And I'm curious if you have that same advice for others or, or what, what would you do? Well, I, I definitely set targets. Uh, whenever I buy a card, I, I kind of think of how the sport and the overall landscape, because you got to think about two things now. You can't just think about the sport anymore. You have to think about the landscape. Um, I think about what would need to happen, or if this happens, if what I think happens, happens. This is a good example here is Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis is is a 2017 number one overall draft pick. Phenomenal player, seen as, seen as a lock number one overall draft pick. He got hurt. He tore his ACL twice, twice, Oof. and he had that COVID year. So I'm sitting here in 2022, and I'm like, look, look, I'm I'm targeting this specific, and I targeted the flawless patch autograph, and I said, look, I think Royce Lewis, because when he plays, he's amazing. I think he's going to overcome these injuries. I think he's going to get on the field, and I think he's going to be an all-star. Well, it kind of worked out that way, but I'm thinking in my head, if that happens, where where are these cards going? And I'm looking at a uh, flawless patch autograph that I bought for 40 thinking, well, this can go to 150 200 So I go, and I start buying up a bunch of them. Then, sure enough, what I said was going to happen, happened, uh, you know, as, as, as you want to happen. Royce Lewis came out. I think he hit like three grand slams in a week. And then in, in their playoff run, he hit four homers in their playoff run, even though they're out right now. Royce Lewis still showed what he's got. And those cards got to those targets. And without emotional, without emotion, I had to sell them. <laughs> Cried a little bit because, you know, when you're right, you know, you want to, you know, you want some kind of memory of being right. So um, that's an example of, seeing a target, setting a target, seeing a target, executing on it. So I think I've been through about 10 of those so far at that kind of markup. So I'm pretty happy about it. So I'm going to ask you, this is not on our agenda today, Chris, but I think this is what's going to be great about the lunch crew and the business of collecting. We can kind of take it any direction we want because we are the bosses. <laughs> and as of the moment, the only sponsors we have are Vintage Breaks and Just Collect and my good buddy Jason from Otia. So um, my question to you is, do you feel as though what you're doing with these cards, these modern rookies and target pricing, do you feel is that you're collecting or do you feel as though that you're speculating or that you're buying and selling or you're trading? I'm, I'm just curious. I don't want to put any words in your mouth. I, I wanted to hear from you because I, I you know, have my own thoughts, but um, let me know what you are feeling about it. 
it, it's, it's pure speculation. Like I don't use the term investment because you're not investing. You're not investing in a company with a, you know, with a track record, with a, with a profit loss statement. You know, you're, you're buying a card on the anticipation that it's going to go up. It's pure speculating. You can win, you can lose. But what I found, if you make enough bets and you're careful about what you're buying and what prices you're buying it at, and you got a pretty good eye for condition over 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 time. You can do pretty well um, treating it that way. Now, having that said, that there are sometimes that I buy for collecting purposes, and that really comes into play more with like um, players I collect. Like Tua Tavungaloa is a player I collect because of what he did at Alabama. Like my my top sports moment of all time is him throwing that pass to Devonta Devonta Smith in the back of the end zone to beat Georgia in the national title game. But the reason it's the top is because I'm there at a Buffalo Wild Wings with one of my very best friends, Chad Hendricks. And Chad is a diehard Georgia fan. And he knows uh, I'm an Alabama fan. We're standing there watching the game. And we're both trying to have to hold it in. Me, because I don't want to gloat over him. And, and, and him, kind of because, you know, he's really upset over what just happened. So when it happened, all I could do was go, huh, would you look at that? And he would go, Hmm, would you look at that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Tua, though, to, to kind of bring it back to the business of collecting. So if you start collecting someone like Tua, who's a younger, you know, ball player, yeah. and then he starts to ball out and prices start to escalate, at what point do you as that collector have to start to say, oh my goodness, you know, I am collecting him, but wow, his cards have gone from I'm making it up, $25 to 200 yeah. Do you feel as though there's a certain multiple or is it more about a dollar amount or, Hey, you're going to the grave with these cards. I wanted to share, you know, some light for the audience who might be listening to this later on because Chris, let's be honest, right? We're, we're behind the curtain, man. You know, you're yeah. working full-time for vintage breaks. You're buying and selling cards. You're on the front lines of the card collecting community. Myself, I fancy myself as a professional baseball card treasure hunter, more on the vintage side, but I'm also a collector. And so what I'm trying to do for audience, both during the live, as well as when they're playing this back is bring them some perspective that they may not be able to get easily because they're not doing it full time. They're not a professional treasure card hunter. So I agree with you, Chris, and the speculation, I think that's pretty easy to see, but what happens when you're truly a collector and then for one reason or another, those cards that the autograph or those baseballs, whatever it is, they've started to go up and that money would make a difference for you either in your life or in your collection. What do you do then, Chris? What's your, your, what's your advice for folks? Well, I mean, in my opinion, uh, well, first off you, you lean towards selling when that happens. Um, maybe you don't sell everything. Maybe you keep, if, if a card means something to you, if you have a connection to it, you obviously keep it, but, Listen, if you're sitting there with a with, with a whole with a big stash, and you're not gonna miss, be honest, you're not gonna miss most of that stash. But also, I think you have to think. I think you have to to look at with with, with without rose colored glasses. Look at the, look at the player you have. Like, what are the long? What are the realistic long term expectations for this character for this player? Is this Tom Brady or is this Philip Rivers? You know, you have to you have to, you have to make that call. Like, if you think you got a Tom Brady, which by the way you don't. <laughs> there's one there's one tom brady <laughs> um then then maybe you hold for future value but like i just think you sell i just think you sell you keep some back but you sell 
All right. Well, Chris, I'm going to give the audience my two cents on it as well. Um, I agree with you. So the first thing I was going to say is when you can sell and make a profit, especially in a business like ours, and I'm grateful and very appreciative to be able to do this for a living, but I don't take for granted that people do not need cards. They need food. They need shelter. They need doctors. Um, they need clothes. And so, yes, I might. And this is the second caveat. If I had bought, you said Royce Lewis, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if I had bought a bunch, I'm a big fan of maybe keeping back a couple so that if they end up hitting such a pinnacle, such a height of value, I wouldn't kick myself because, oh my goodness, he ended up being better than Mike Trout or, you know, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, but as far as both real life and what's practical, I think you should sell, take the profits. If you want to put them back into your collection, wonderful. If you want to put the, the money in your pocket, that's great. But I can tell you firsthand from someone who's been collecting for decades, and I love doing this both professionally and as a collector, there's really no greater feeling when you're going out to buy a new card for your collection. A new card could be a vintage card, by the way. Um, and you've self-financed. You didn't have to ask your significant other, your friend, your mom or dad, depending on how old you are listening to this episode. And you're like, oh my goodness, I actually made $60 on my last trade. I had this cool new box in mind, this blaster box that I wanted to buy. And it's $40. I'm going to be able to buy that. I'm going to have a little bit of change left over. I think I'm going to buy a new rookie because I'm going to speculate on the guy. And to me, not just about right? The buying and selling and collecting, but you know, my son Crosby's eight years old and I wouldn't be um, doing a good job. I didn't mention, especially him on our first episode, Chris here of the lunch crew. Um, but I want to make sure that whether it be Crosby, who's eight kids or who are 12 kids who are 18, or even you know, they're, they're just in college. You absolutely can make money, especially in the modern card world, if you study the game and you you know have a feeling about certain prospects, I mean, hit up Chris. I'm not the guy, by the way. I'm a vintage guy. But I know that if I have a question or I have an inkling about anything from Coco Golf to a new trading card release, I can tell you firsthand, guys and gals, that Gilmore is my guy. That's why I agreed to let him be part of this show. Notice how I said that, Chris, and you're second. So by the way, I don't know if this is ever gonna die. Yeah, yeah, but it's the lunch crew with Leighton and Chris. But the joking aside, Chris, I really am appreciative of your 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 modern knowledge. I've learned so much from you over the years, and I'm hoping to take some of that and not just hoard it for ourselves. Right? We're going to try to share that here, um, you know, and and really communicate that through the business of collecting. But make no mistake, the business of collecting it's almost like a paradox because it doesn't have to be a business. And you don't just have to collect. And Chris and I are telling you here on the first episode, it's all okay. We both collect, we both buy and sell professionally, and we're both part of a breaking company uh, called Vintage Breaks. If you want to check us out, check us out at vintagebreaks.com. We're one of the very few companies that bring the vintage angle, the vintage aspect of breaking to the breaking world. So check us out, give us a shot. And if you're not on YouTube right now watching the show, um, we have a channel called youtube.com slash vintagebreaks with over 20,000 videos with some unbelievable wake breaks including the Packard Around the World, which is our most famous break of all time, where we pulled a 1955 Bowman Mickey Mantle out of a 1955 Bowman Cello Pack years ago at the Cleveland National. That card eventually graded a PSA 9 
and has recently sold at auction for over $300,000. The buy-in for that break was $500. And our very own Chris R was a recipient of that mantle at the time. He sold it initially. And, you know, for more details, check out our blog on our website at vintagebreaks.com. But bringing it back to center here, Chris, um, we are hoping to bring value to you, the audience, and we're hoping to do that with each of these cards. Clearly, I can see, Chris, we're going to have a lot of fun on the show. It might take a little bit longer for these episodes as we're working out, you know, how much we can fit in. Um, but I'm taking away from this, Chris, that if you liked Ronald Acuna from the beginning, and I don't mean actual Acuna, but if you like a young player from the beginning and you do your homework, you're not going to get it right every time because that's not what Chris is saying. But if you do it in an intelligent way and you do it over 10 people, and keep in mind, don't get this advice from me, but get it from Chris. You got to buy the right cards and you have to be disciplined. If they hit a certain price and above, just like in poker, lay down your cards, move on to the next project. But speaking of moving on, Chris, because we want to make sure we at least offer these six cards today, can we offer a vintage card to our community here on the Lunch Crew? Uh, and I'll talk about it. Sure, sure. Let's go with the, uh, the E97. Great. That's a fun one to start with. It's the in between price card. Yeah, that's why I picked it. Here we go. Afternoon, Mark. What's up, Danny? Not sure yet, bud. But if you have any questions for us, please drop them in the chat. you have any feedback? If you're enjoying the show, please smash the like button. Make sure you subscribe. So we have the, the Maddie McIntyre. All right. So, Chris, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. This is an E97 Briggs and Company, Maddie McIntyre, graded SEC3, and it really does look nice for the grade. But the reason I'm bringing it up for sale, um, and I think Chris, this is 250 bucks, right? Yeah, 250. Last one sold for 275, and I think an SEC or a PSA3. I don't quite remember uh, through Probe. And the reason why I wanted to offer it to the community first is if you haven't heard of him, look underneath the E97 Maddie McIntyre label on the SGC case. And it says right below that, the Lionel Carter Collection. So if you're just tuning in today and you never heard of the Lionel Carter Collection, do me a favor, go to google.com and put in the Lionel Carter Baseball Card Collection and you will be fascinated about learning um, not just about the cards this gentleman collected, how far ahead of his time he was. And so there's this thing in the hobby, and if you didn't know about it, now you're going to know, that some of the famous collections that have been sold over the last couple decades have started to be recognized by the grading companies. And they will literally put on there, as Chris just was kind enough to show you, the Lionel Carter collection. And the reason why I wanted to bring this card to you today on our first episode of The Lunch Crew is because to me, and right, if you're not looking for an E97, if you're not a candy card collector, if you're not someone who appreciates that card or you don't have $250, this card's definitely not for you. But this is the point. If you were looking for a type card from that era, if you dig the aesthetics of the card, if you happen to Google who Matty McIntyre was and learned about him, um, or you're a Detroit fan because he was a Detroit uh, American's ball player, Detroit Tiger, um, this card being owned and tagged by one of the best collectors to ever collect cards, to me, means something, which is why yours truly has actually owned this card for years. But the reason why I decided to offer it today, so I wanted to offer some cards with either value and or a cool story. Well, if it costs $275 to buy that same card that was recently sold on eBay, and for those that don't know how to use eBay properly, 
to find out what a card's worth, you don't just go to ebay.com. You click on that little icon, you scroll down the left, you click on completed items. That's how you have an idea of what something's sold for. And if it's sold, it'll be in green. So in this case, I looked it up. The last example sold in the last you know couple of months for $275 in the same grade. I don't recall if it was PSA or SGC. But my thinking, Chris, and community was that if I can offer this card for sale at $25 cheaper than the last one sold for, and it comes with that provenance, to me, if you don't own a vintage card for your collection that is tied to one of the, if you will, founding forefathers, if you will, of collecting vintage cards, I think you should. I'm not pushing this card on you. You can certainly find cheaper cards, but that's the reason why I bought it. And the reason why I'm selling it is I actually have a few other cards from the Lionel Carter collection. And so, as Chris said, I can't have all these cards. I don't need all these cards. And so before I bring it to sale, to sell on eBay, or um, I'm actually, shout out to a mascot. I probably would list the card through mascot, which would enable me to list it on my slabs and eBay at the same time. And I think they're working on other platforms. So give Mascot and Ezra um, a look. If you get a chance on social, tell them that I sent you. By the way, I get nothing for it. Maybe they'll send me some Swedish fish. Um, but the joking aside, I think this is a great card if you're in the market for a vintage pre-war card with Provenance. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful card for the grade. Like if you look at the centering, which is... Um pretty much where the your, the your eye goes first when you're looking at you know eye appeal on a card um it's just a good example it's off a little bit to the left but like at a three that card's amazing it's, what do you uh, think about the provenance does that mean anything to you and well, it's okay I, if it doesn't i want your honest opinion to me it does i think it's cool to me not. right now it doesn't because i don't know anything about the collector so I, well, I, then that's I'll part of the reason why we brought it up today, Chris, <laughs> is because shame on you. You should. Now, the joking aside, um, really, guys, this is why we started the lunch crew. I really do hope to learn from Chris. I think Chris wants to learn from me, even though he may oh, yeah. not say that. No, um, but 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 all else aside, we want to try to bring our curiosities, our card nerdiness in a way that will help allow the audience to learn more on our journey as we learn more from each other and we have some fun. We buy and sell a couple of cards. We're going to try to incorporate some trading in future episodes, but Jesus criminy, Chris, we can talk. So let's get right to the second card you have. So at least get through all six cards today, because that would be a big faux pas if we don't do that. All right. So the second card I have here is a guy who has been tearing. It's a football card. He's been tearing it up recently. This is Chicago Bears starting quarterback, Justin Fields. Um, this is a kind of a homage to the old days where, um, uh, playoff had the crusade cards with the fleur de lis and the, um, the very, uh, French, uh, crusade type, uh, design. This one's a blue number to 50 and a PSA 10 of a quarterback who is just tearing it up right now. He's playing really well. Now he is playing some bad defenses. I know. But those are still NFL defenses, and every team has bad defenses on their schedule. <laughs> and how much is this beauty, Chris? It's 140. Um, the uh, you don't these are you don't really see these sell a whole lot because they're not as widely traded as the prism. Like if this was a if this was a uh, prism number to 50, it would be like 800. 800. You see it a lot more. Yeah, it'd be a True. lot more if it was a prism. That's why I like these lower releases. All right, so. 
I just want to give at least my hot take, right? And I, and I don't know about people's budgets and stuff, but I love what you just brought up. Forget about Justin Fields, the ball player, because I don't want to get into that because I'm a lowly Jets fan gang. And, you know, that's believe me. It's, we had an amazing, you know, win last week, but it was not without ups and downs and tearing out what little hair I got, you know, and that kind of stuff. But getting back to the Justin Fields um, piece of data that you just revealed, you're saying there's 140 bucks, it's numbered to 50, it's a PSA 10. But I think you just said that if this was a Prism-ish card, numbered to 50, PSA 10, it would be like 800. Mm-hmm. Buffer. So forget about if this is a good deal or not. This is what I want to try to say to the community. Gang, if you like Justin Fields, whether it be you want to resell him or not, this is what's awesome, not just about cards, but about collecting. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I happen to think that's an attractive card. I'm not buying it. It's not, it's not for me. But if it was a card of a player that I liked, if you had said to me, and I don't necessarily love all the Prism cards, my point is you don't always have to do what other people tell you to do. You don't always have to follow what other collectors say is the right card to buy or the card of choice. If you like the card, you can afford the card. Now, I would say be prepared for the card to go to zero. <laughs> And I know that's extreme, but what I'm saying is, if to me, I'm buying a Justin Fields card, I like the aesthetics, I'm also aware of the risk, and even though I'm aware that a prism is better and it could go up more, blah, blah, if you're telling me that it's a legit chance the card could go to zero, why wouldn't I buy the card for 140 Because I have much less downside exposure than buying a card for 800 So I'm trying to help folks who are listening to this show, and in this case, you like have dabbled with cards. You buy some modern packs of cards at your target. You've maybe just started dabbling in graded. And like you're aware that Prism's better than this is, um, what is this again? Rookies and Stars? Rookies and Stars uh, Crusade. Crusade. I think it's a good looking card. No one's trying to sell you on it. Just merely saying that depending on how you're getting into card collecting slash investing, flipping to make money, to me, and this is what I want to close with on this card and move on from it, if I was buying just purely to make money, Chris, I don't know that I would buy this card because I would prefer a card that's more widely traded. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that the Prism is the one to buy. That's not what I'm suggesting, but I like liquidity. So what I've found is that, for example, like when I bought that Hulk Hogan PMG PSA 10, there was like no liquidity in that card. That's why the card was affordable. <laughs> um, but I didn't buy it for investment. I bought it because I loved it. And now, of course, the set's got a, caught on fire. And so my point is, you don't always have to follow what other people are doing. If you like this card, you have a lot less downside. But if you're doing it for investment slash you want to try to buy and sell, I might caution you on buying modern cards that are not widely traded. Unless, I want to throw this caveat, if they're numbered one of one. And even then, you got to be careful because there's so many one of ones. And if you're listening to this and you're saying, like, this guy Layton's out of his mind, there's a lot of one and ones. Yes, you heard that right. And certainly no dig at tops for fanatics, but in some cases there's two one of ones and we'll <laughs> cover that in a future episode. Um, so Chris, let's move on to the second vintage card. And I want to take a moment to shout out Ken for tuning in. Uh, Mark Coyle and Brian, thanks again for checking out our first episode of lunch crew. Chris, what's the second vintage card we have up uh, for sale here today? We have the Bob Gibson. Great. I can, uh, as soon as you have it on screen, I'll talk about it. Yeah, there we go. So Bob Gibson is one of the greatest pitchers, not of just his era, but of all time. If you're not sure who he is, Google him. Uh, he also played for the Harlem Globetrotters. He was an incredible, incredible athlete. 
didn't know that. The reason why I brought this card to the show today, it's 65 bucks. It's very well centered. And I wanted to make sure, candidly, and I, I want to coin this terminology here. I love cards and I am a pizza snob, but I don't want to become a card snob. And what I mean by that is that this card to me at $65 shows you what's beautiful about collecting. It's under $100. It's already graded. The aesthetics are great. It shows like the tenacity of Bob Gibson right there on his face. You can see it. Mm -hmm. And it's very affordable. So once again, gang, if you think I'm trying to sell you the card, I'm not. Because the cheapest you can buy a PSA 5 for right now on eBay that looks worse than this is 75 bucks. And my guess, and this would be a really fun thing if it doesn't sell, because I hope it goes to a collector, we're going to put some of these on eBay maybe in the future to see what they sell for. And I think that would be a great talking point. But um, my point is I wanted to bring a card to folks that was truly for a collector. I do think if you try to retail it at a show and you put it out at 95, could you maybe sell it? Sure. I don't advise that. I think you should buy this card if you wanted to own an early Bob Gibson card. And by the way, it's his third year. So if you didn't know that, his first card was his 1959 Topps baseball card. It's his high number. It's his rookie. That goes for hundreds of dollars, even in low-grade condition. So like I said, I felt that, um, Chris, this is a great card to bring to the community. And I didn't want to only bring expensive cards, i.e. cards that were hundreds, mm -hmm. hundreds of dollars or more, and i.e. be a card snob. So... Hopefully you enjoyed the second vintage card I brought today for sale. Once again, if you want to buy any of the six cards we're talking about during the show, if they make it past the show, um, so be it. But it'll be available for sale at vintagebreaks.com. Great. And the uh, last card that I had up is, um, you know, in, in Major League Baseball, we've seen this uh, kind of program of the sons of major leaguers coming up and doing things. Uh this guy is next. This is Matt Holiday's kid. Um, this kid went from high school, from metal bat high school football to wood bat professional, sorry, metal bat high school baseball to wood bat professional baseball without skipping a beat. Dude put up a wow. like a 970 OPS in his first run as a professional. Keep in mind, wow. he's 17. He's playing against 22-year-olds, and he's dominating them. <laughs> This is a Jackson Holiday Baltimore Orioles. Um, it's it's a low end, low end card, but it is his first Bowman, as evidenced by the by the first Bowman. In, in baseball rookies, the two cards of significance. Tops does a pretty good job of labeling either with that first Bowman, then when they're an actual major leaguer, they'll have the rookie logo on the card. They kind of go ham with that rookie logo. They put it on everything, but that first Bowman is important because he only gets one of those. If he has another Bowman come out in the same year, like he's in Bowman Chrome and Bowman Draft, the Bowman Draft won't have that first Bowman. Only the first release has it. Speaking of first Bowman, we'll talk about this in a future episode, Chris, because I, I want to chop it up and talk about these types of things going on in the industry and the hobby. Speaking of first Bowman, if you haven't heard of the guy named Babe Ruth, he had a first Bowman sell recently for $200,000 back to a company called David Adams and a bounty, which we're going to talk about maybe in the next episode of the lunch crew, some wild, wild stuff. So first Bowman's aren't just about 17 year olds. I don't know how old the babe would be today, but <laughs> somewhere North of 77, that's for sure. Um, so anyway, Chris, how much is that rookie? 50 bucks. PSA nine. It's a refractor. It's a great card. Is it numbered? They're not numbered. Their refractors are not numbered, but they're still. And just to give the audience an idea, Chris, what would be the difference in price between a nine and a 10? 
Uh, 10 would run you about uh, 175, and 9 runs you 50, which is a <laughs> me, I've never understood that, but it is what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to buy, um, as you said, it's Matt Holiday's kid. If you want to check out and maybe speculate on, um, you know, one of the best young prospects in the game, this would be a card for you. Um, and we now have our last card that we're going to offer for sale today on our inaugural episode of The Lunch Crew. All right, it is Huggins. What right? up, Sushi Boy? It's Miller. Miller, Miller time. Huggins. Huggins, that is. Here we go. It's on the screen. Great. So this is a T206 Miller Huggins portrait. The best part about it by far is the back. It is an American Beauty back. For those of you that don't know a lot about the T206 set, the T206 set came with a variety of different backs. Um, and some of them, of course, are more rare than others. American Beauties in particular are difficult to find, but they are not the most difficult. But to me, aesthetically, if you want to flip it over, Chris, uh, very, um, you know, I really like the design uh, of the American Beauty logo on it. And I don't know, you know, what the audience thinks in terms of, once again, not talking about Miller Huggins for a moment, he is a Hall of Famer, but the actual back, I was just one day, I don't know, I was listening to music, and I was like, man, T206 set just full of all these American beauties. And I was just like, you know, <laughs> if there's one back that I'm going to go after in the T206 set, yes, there's others that I like as well, but I enjoy about the American beauties that they're not the most expensive, but they're still quite difficult to find. Um, and listen, you know, proud to be an American. Uh, and, you know, it's just kind of interesting of the time period. Uh, for those that don't know, T206s, which were made around the 1910, uh, time frame were made with stone lithography. So I cannot give you a dissertation on stone lithography, but I know a little bit about the process. And they made cards look amazing, considering you know you're talking about well over 110 years ago. Um, and so the other interesting aspect about American Beauties, if you flip it over, Chris, these cards were inserted into American Beauty packs of cigarettes, just like Sweet Cat, Piedmont, or um, excuse me, Polar Bear were inserted into their respective packs of either cigarettes or tobacco. Well, Chris, these cards are actually a little bit shorter in dimension than a typical T206 of Miller Huggins portrait that is a sweet cap back, Piedmont, polar bag, et cetera, because the actual cigarette pack, the dimensions were smaller. So these cards were literally cut to fit. And it's just mind boggling to me, Chris, to think about what was happening over a hundred years ago to get these prize baseball subjects, if you will, as they were called at the time into packs of cigarettes. And so um, American Beauties are one of my favorite packs combined with Miller Huggins as a Hall of Famer. I think it's a great combination. You might ask me, well, wait, why are you selling? You love the card so much. Because I anticipate buying a very expensive American Beauty T206 back. And we can't have it all, Chris, can we? Yeah, we, we, we cannot. We cannot. Money is a limited resource. Yeah. So that, as far as the business of collecting goes, to me, was a great place to wrap up on the sixth card. Um, and normally, we probably will end the show about now, but we have a few other things we're going to try to cover uh, briefly today. Um, we're still working out, of course, you know, our first show, some this and that, but we're having a good time. We hope you are, too. If you're enjoying this content, even if it's not live, please give us a thumbs up so we know that you've enjoyed what we've covered today, and we'll cover similar topics involving the business of collecting moving forward. So the last point I want to make about the Miller Huggins is I'm no different 
than you or anyone else listening to this podcast as far as collecting goes. And that's why I close with the Miller Huggins. I love the card. I don't have another Miller Huggins American Beauty, but I do know I have my eye on some other American Beauties, Tito Sixes, that is. And I want to make sure that, and this is important in the business collecting, because the business collecting can mean all these different things, Chris, right? Mm-hmm. I want to make sure, gang, you have to understand, sometimes, even though you think you're prepared, you're going to be looking at an auction catalog from like my buddies at REA or at um, Sotheby's or SCP or Memory Lane or Heritage, right? There's a lot of great auction companies. So when you open them up and you're going through them, you're like, oh my God, I got to have this. Well, the money's got to come from somewhere. So I know in particular that I have my eye on some cards that cost a great deal of money. So after going back through my Tito sixes, I realized Miller and I had a discussion. He's not upset with me and we're willing to move on from each other for $2,250. There we go. All right. So, Chris, um, only because I want to try to make this part of every week, could you very briefly touch upon one or two of the new releases that are coming out? Because, gang, I'm hoping every week that I'm going to learn about these new releases. I'm not a modern card guy. I'm not a guru of any kind. Vintage, that's my thing. That's my jam. But modern, I'm hoping to maybe get a heads up. By the way, Lee, you should buy a case of this and put it away. But Chris, tell me what's coming on or, you know, coming out, going on in the next few days or next week for modern releases. So there's essentially three coming out. There's Tops Update, Bowman Chrome U, and Gold Standard. Uh, First off, I'll talk about the not good. Um, Tops Chrome Update doesn't have any of the prospects like um, Jason Dominguez or Elliot Daly Cruz because they were called up too late. They'll be saved for 2024. Uh, it does have good veteran contents. It's got more Jeter autographs than any than, than any flagship top product I've seen. With, they've really ramped up operations there. Jeter means that his autograph price is going to come down, but they're going to be more widely available in packs. Um, but out, out, outside of the rookie chase, is just not there and update like it normally is. But it's still a flagship top product. It'll stay cheap. It'll stay. It'll stay fun. Um, gold standard football, it's hurt a little bit by fanatics, keeping autograph players out like CJ Stroud, Will Levis and Bryce Young. You won't have those three players as autographs in gold standard. And it really hurts product like gold standard because gold standard is all about the autographs. So, um, there won't be a big RPA shield of, uh, of Bryce Young or more importantly right now, CJ Stroud, because CJ Stroud's playing the best of them. Yes, but they'll they'll still have jersey cards and numbered cards and stuff like that. And they can still put cards because they have the NFLPA, but they they don't have autograph rights to those guys. Uh, Gold Standard is is a fringe product that that um, that I like for the months it's out. But past that, you know, let's let's move on to Prism because I'm you know, I love Prism football. Prism National Treasures Immaculate, the high end stuff. You know, that's that to me that's that, that's where football po- football punches heavy on those. Also like Mosaic. But that's just because I'm weird. <laughs> the product I do think is um, is great is 2023 Bowman Chrome U. Now, we're seeing a shift. We're seeing a shift in college football cards. Used to be you got a college football card, and you're like, that's great, but it's going to get destroyed when Prism comes out in a month. Well, what's going on? And to right be fair, now? when you say destroyed, you mean the price is being destroyed. 
the price the price gets handled. I just want to make sure. So remember, we got to keep in mind that some of the audience who's listening and watching afterwards, they may not be as well versed as you know, like for example, our breaking maniacs community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to physically disintegrate, but yes, the price will go down in previous years because of the nature of the release cycle. Um, Aaron Rodgers uh, draft picks comes out. Then all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers Bowman Chrome comes out. The Bowman Chrome becomes the top dog card, and everything else follows it. Everything else goes down in price. Well, what's happening now with the name and image likeness, the NIL deals, and NCAA players, they're able to get sophomores in the pack. And I just happen to have one on my desk. A good example is Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. So this is Caleb Williams. He's got the first Bowman thing. Nothing can ever take that first Bowman marker off his card. It'll always be thought of as a first Bowman. Well, in years past, sure. if Caleb Williams would have would have came up and in, in the draft, he would have had a prism card come out that tanked the value of this card later that made it go down. Sure. But because Caleb, Caleb Williams had this card out with a sophomore and has another Heisman run in him, collectors have time for that card to get what we call price memory. So once a card comes up and it trades at a certain value for a certain time, it doesn't get like set in stone, but people are, are more reluctant to sell it at a loss. Therefore, it holds up better when something else is on the market. I think over time, these football cards, the guys like uh, Caleb Williams, uh, the Huskies quarterback. Um, gosh, I was, just, I was just talking to you last night about how, how I sold the guy. Uh, yeah, the, the the Michael Phoenix Jr. out in uh, Washington. Those guys are now going to have marketable cards that collectors are chasing. And we know collectors are chasing them because when this set come out, Shine uh, 105, 150, whatever, Shine on Instagram, one of, the, one of the biggest value collectors out there, put up a bounty on the Caleb Williams and the Young. Um. People are starting to chase these college cards, and it's not going to change now that they have that. Now that some players, some quarterbacks particularly, will both be encouraged to stay in college longer by the NFL, by the NIL, and have a buffer year where that card sits alone as the uncontested only, only cards card. of a player mid Heisman run. I think they're going to gain a lot of respect and a lot of momentum. Well, definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, one of the nice things I just wanted to make kind of like a public service announcement here that about modern cards is that if you're new to the space, you may not realize this, but there was a real issue in getting your cards graded uh, in the last couple of years. It's now seemed to have resolved itself. So what I think is super fun is that you can now buy, let's say, the, mo the most modern football product, send your cards out to be graded by some of the, you know, the big grading companies and get them back fairly quickly. So forget about selling them or trading them, whatever the case is. So I think that's really great, um, you know, as far as, you know, gratification for folks who are collecting, right? Um, but I really dig your take on the college football cards or the college cards in general. Um, and what I would say is, at least from this experience, uh, professional baseball card treasure hunter, but, but dealer in this case, <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I like to do, a tip, Remember, I'm no modern guru, far from it. I'm going to try to learn every episode from Chris. But if I think I have a beat on a guy, a player, I'm going to grade the best of the best of those cards before they get hot for two reasons. Number one, I want to be ready so that when they're hot, 
I can market those cards and not have to start the process of actually like getting them sent out and then waiting for them to get graded. And then, oh my God, is it going to, are they going to get hurt? Um, and then number two, certainly cannot prove this and not accusing any grading company of doing anything. I'm just telling you from my experience, the hotter a player gets, the more valuable the card gets. Hard to believe, right? Well, along those lines, as the card becomes more valuable, you wouldn't believe it. The percentage of tens goes down. Um, <laughs> That's what I found over time. I'm not going to, you know, prove it. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. So my suggestion is if you got a beat on a modern player, you want to take some of your hard-earned money and spec, I think you should go for it. This show, after all, is about the business of collecting. Let us know in a future uh, comment, because obviously this is our first episode. I want to know if you have a beat on someone and you've decided to go out there and either buy some college cards because you like Chris's recommendation or you're taking 20 or 30 of a guy that's worth a buck right now. You're getting them graded and your local, um, you know, neighbor uh, who also collects is looking at you like, are you all right? Why are you grading these cards that are worthless? Because grading and once again, the business of collecting can be complicated. And that is why we have started the show. What I'd like to do today, Chris, because I feel like we talked for hours. Um, this is not necessarily going to be the part of every show, but I want to show off one card today, Chris, if you could allow me to have the honors of showing this. Gorgeous vintage 36 exhibit. Uh, am I not? Because it's not. Uh, huh, that's weird. I'm showing it right in front of the camera, but it's not coming up. Hmm. Okay, just uh, hold it up to the face camera. That'll work. Okay. So this is a 1936 exhibit four in one featuring Lou Gehrig, Tony Lazeri, Red Ruffing, and Lefty Gomez. Four New York Yankee Hall of Famers as a Gehrig fan, as a collector. I bought this card recently out of a Robert Edward Auctions um, auction. And I got to look what I paid. Maybe about $1,400, $1,500, something like that. But I bought it. I mean, this card in a two and a half, I don't know if you could tell from on screen, it's tremendous eye appeal. So some exhibits that are graded two and a half have these like really heavy rounded corners. And I don't know if I would have bought it for that. So, you know, what did I buy this card for? I bought this card because it really hit me. I really love it. I also happen to know that four-in-one exhibits from the 30s are extremely difficult to find in any condition. And then when this card presented like a five and a two-and-a-half holder, I'm like, oh, for a reasonable amount of money, I would buy it. And so the reason why I'm closing the show with this is twofold. One, you can see how much I love collecting. But two, the reason why I offered you, for example, the Miller Huggins today on our first episode of The Lunch Crew is to show you that even though, I'm, of course, I'm buying and selling, I'm also collecting. I have to be responsible. Mm -hmm. So try to think ahead about your collecting needs. Or if you have a big convention coming up in 90 days, try to prepare by maybe sending out a consignment to your local eBay consignment seller or, you know, to whoever you may use. Or go to your local shop, do a deal with them. But trying to raise the money after you find something that you really love like this is not only really difficult and challenging, but you're often selling things for less than they're really worth because you've been put in a corner. So don't allow yourself to be put in a collecting corner. And with that, Chris, I'd like to wrap up the first episode of The Lunch Crew and the business of collecting with, of course, Leighton and Chris. Don't forget. <laughs> All right, we're off. Great. I think that was a good episode, Chris.